Chapter 5 Elegance and Evil October 1773 Agador Ivy did not have time for indulgences, especially if that indulgence didn't include violence. He was an average-sized young Englishman born in 1745 in western London. The Ivy family was from an offshoot of royalty that Agador utilized to his advantage. Early on, he made his way up the ranks in the shadows as the royal's fiercely loyal attack dog. Agador Ivy had a thirst for violence that was fueled by his hatred. He masked his tortured childhood with the violence he imposed on others and thrived on the fear he incited. The crown served as a reference point for the foundation of Agador's entire existence. Whatever his majesty requests, he fulfills. Agador was known throughout the royal ranks as a ruthless and bloodthirsty officer who would kill his own blood before betraying the crown. For in Agador's mind, without the crown, there would be no blood. The crown is the reason we all survive and are alive. To ensure its success throughout time was his life's mission. The crown allowed Agador an outlet for his dark and evil desires. The king knew this all too well. Sir, we have a problem, the young corporal said to the major general. Uh, for bloody fucking sake, what is the fucking issue now, boy? Agador asked. There is a there is a situ there is a situation with your cousin, Sir Alec. He has been he has been he has been. He begins to stammer. Spit it out. He he has been found. He has been found stealing from the king's palace, and His Majesty preferred that you that 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 that, that you handle this task personally. I'm on my way, he replied coldly, moving swiftly to the king's words. Sir Alec, a waste of life in Agador's eyes, and someone he was close with as young boys, but those days are closer to dreams than they are memories. Agador gathers his belongings from the room and heads to the palace with haste. He knows it is best never to keep the king waiting. The king's throne room was extravagant and ever so grand desperately trying to mimic the architecture of the French enemy. Within the majestic room were the crown's rare relics and artifacts. Of all the king's items, there is one that the Major General has always been a skeptic of, the rare golden relic in which the previous king was gifted. Some say it was a false relic meant to subdue the king's obsession with finding it. Others believe it to be the true relic. Either way, the Major General was always fascinated by all the relics and trophies and respected the history they all carried. As the Major General entered the elegant throne room, King George III sat there with a full face of anger and disposition. The doors are opened by two of the palace guards, and Agador enters quickly with a purpose and bows to the king. Your Majesty, you requested me. Yes, Major General Ivy. It seems Sir Alec has once again proved his worthlessness in this world. I was going to hang him in front of the palace for the little people to see. Even royalty dies when you even slightly cross the crown. But I differed and told the guards you would personally handle the situation since he is indeed your cousin. You shall be the one who removes him from his petty existence. The king says smoothly and directly. Yes, your majesty. It will be done. Agador replies with ice in his voice. He bows and exits the room, knowing the king wants this done immediately. The pitiless officer knows what he must do, and he has been looking forward to it.
The staircase was dark, wet, and smelled of human shit. When Agador arrives at the lower level of the palace stockade, he finds Sir Alex sleeping in shackles covered in hay within the barred cell. You two, fetch some air, he tells the sentry guards. Yes, sir, they respond and walk up the stone staircase to the courtyard. He unlocks the door with one of the keys on his personal key ring, steps inside the cell, and closes the door behind him, locking it. The closing cell door wakes Sir Alec. What are you doing? Who are you? I swear it won't happen again! The man proclaims in a crackling, fearful voice, with his eyes barely open. Agador turns around to face the man lying in the hay, revealing himself. Fuck! You frightened me, Agador! I thought you were someone else to do the king's bidding! He says, letting out a sigh of relief. That's exactly what I'm here to discuss, he says, tightening his riding gloves, towering over the man in hay with a look of death on his face. We are cousins, Agador! Your father is my blood! Sir Alec proclaims, finally seeing the real Agador people murmured about in the shadows. None of that matters, Alec. None of that has ever mattered. You are worthless scum, and it's time to finally cease your little life. You will not have a knight's funeral. You will not have a legacy to leave behind. You won't see tomorrow, Agador says calmly and squats to get closer to Sir Alec in the hay. You see, it's going to be the highlight of my day, sliding this dagger into your throat, watching the empty life leave your body. The sharp steel in Agador's hand is roughly nine inches long, and the fear on Sir Alec's face is more apparent than ever. Agador, please, you don't have to... The sharp blade enters the lower left side of Sir Alec's neck, and he stops talking. Stunned, his eyes widen. The sound of the blade tearing apart his throat reverberates through his open mouth. I always despised your soft, little, pathetic life. Agador thrusts a dagger to the opposite side of his neck, slicing his vertebrae into process, nearly decapitating the man. Blood sprays the immediate area and stains the Major General's sleeve. He cleans a blade on Sir Alex's robes and sheathes the weapon standing up. He composes himself and calmly turns around the cell door. And with the key, he opens it, letting himself out of the cell. The ruthless man walks up the stone staircase, revealing the dreary overcast day. You two, make sure your prisoner finds his way to the river, Agador commands the two sentry guards. Aye, sir! They respond and head downstairs to the prisoner's stockade. The day had just reached noon, and Agador Ivy had a meeting with the rear admiral at the pub. He made his way back to the sleeping quarters to change his coat, as Sir Alex's blood had stained the majority of his left sleeve. The staunch officer didn't think twice about Sir Alex and a decision he made. The king made it easy for Agador. Any command from his majesty was an order from God. At least that's how Agador viewed it, and he wasn't going to sway his beliefs. Within minutes, the Major General was on horseback and traveling to the pub through the damp streets of London. As you said earlier, Major General, the colonies are a tempered bunch, but by no means do they have the ability or mental wherewithal to mount a legitimate revolution against a crown in all its might, <laughs> the Rear Admiral says confidently from across the table. The pub is one for military officers and is one that dates back a couple of hundred years. The stone walls blend well with the candlelight, making a decent atmosphere to discuss business. The front door swings open, bringing in the natural overcast light and a royal guard walking into the pub. Silence fills the area. 
Is there a Major General Ivy here? He shouts into the silence. Agador looks up at the Rear Admiral. Let us finish this conversation another time. As he stands, the entire pub shifts its eyes in his direction. The Royal Guard speaks again. His Majesty has requested your presence immediately. That is clear, Agador replies, walking out of the door. His horse was hitched just outside, and he mounts a stein and rides toward the palace. The ride to the palace is a short one. Agador's steed knows to move fast when carrying the man. He and the horse were well synced together. The palace gates open as they hear Agador's arrival. He hitches his horse to the hitching post and heads inside the palace. The palace was grand and welcoming to those who felt its true nature. To those that didn't, the palace felt like the opposite of royalty. It was cold, distant, and had a feeling of death within its walls. Agador Ivy knew no other life than that of service to the crown. His life started as a young man fighting for King George II in far-off lands. Over the years, his fiery rage paid off in the business of violence. He surpassed his mentors, and within the shortest amount of time in British history, fulfilled the rank of Major General. At 26 years of age, he had the King's ear, and was a close confidant and advisor to His Majesty. His position near the King was controversial for the courts, but the King insisted as he too enjoyed the benefits of having a faithful guard dog. The palace door is swung open, and Agador enters the throne room. Your Majesty, he says as he bows his head with grace. Yes, Major General. I was pleased to hear that poor Sir Alec had found his way to the other side. Slight evil smile creases across his face. Good riddance, if you ask me. Now let us talk about why I called you in here in the middle of your pub meeting, the king says, standing up from the throne and walks toward Agador. There is a problem in the colonies. The colonies themselves are the problem, your majesty, Agador says with a full chest and a mind clouded with hate. The king chuckles. <laughs> yes, they are. His laughter quickly comes to an end and his voice reaches a sinister tone. But we have a problem. A band of rebels has been sabotaging shipments from Boston leaving for London as soon as they depart the harbor. It has been a thorn in my side for the last several years, but this time they have crossed the line. The king stops speaking and raises his fist to his face and puts his head down. They have destroyed grain shipment after grain shipment with no repercussions and it hasn't affected me until now. Their latest stunt cost me three frigates and 600 men. Now I know that is a drop in a bucket for my vast empire, but one of those frigates was carrying a bastard son of mine and his mother. The king stops talking for a moment and begins again. Regardless... If he was never going to rule or even have any title, I wanted him. I wanted him in my life. He was my son. Before anything else that the courts have to say about adultery, he is my blood. And now, now, he is gone. He is dead. He was my blood. He says tragically, as the anger seems to be mounting within him. I will find them for you. And whatever you want me to do, I'll do. I am forever at your service, your majesty, Agador says, bowing again, feeling bad for his longtime friend's loss. Go. Go to the colonies and find this band of rebels that call themselves the King's Bane, 
and show them what a bane really is, Major General Ivy. You have my full support with whatever you need. I will send you there, untethered, unleashed, and able to work freely to resolve this matter expeditiously. You have the king's council blessing as well. The king's tone is optimistic and fierce as he knows Agador will handle the task. Yes, your majesty, I will not fail you. I will take the personal best from the king's guard to Boston to ensure that this is handled properly, Agador says calmly. The mention of the king's guard brings a rise in the sovereign's tone. Good. See that it is ended properly. You have my faith, Major General, he says, walking back to his throne and sits down. The doors open behind Agador, and a few royal advisors enter the room. With them, the king's council, a filthy bunch loaded with too much influence and not enough common smarts. Agador despised their existence. They were a group of old men who would corrupt their great king if it were not for the king's guard having such a prominent role in his majesty's life. Agador bows and exits, happy to be away from the council and with a new mission. Ending. The King's Bane.